Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. What exactly is Father's Day? I heard somebody describe it this way. They said it's just like Mother's Day, except you don't spend as much money. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I just I know that fathers and mothers are very different in, in a lot of different ways, uh, mentally, emotionally, the way that we see things, the way that we process things. Heard a story of a mother who had a newborn baby and she was putting the baby to sleep and finally got the baby to go to sleep, placed the baby in the crib and went and took a nap herself. And when she got up from the nap, she walked into the nursery only to find the dad leaning over the crib. She thought, what a touching moment. This is a beautiful scene. She walked over and she put her hand on his hand and she said, what are you thinking right now, baby? And he stood up and with tears in his eyes, he said, I just can't figure out how they can make a crib like this for $89.99. Now, I know moms and dads are completely different. And today we're going to focus on the fathers and we're glad to honor them. We're really glad to be able to challenge you guys a little bit today. So I hope that this message is a blessing to each and every one of you. I want you to know, first and foremost, I'm a father myself, so I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to me, but I also have my oldest son who is now a father, and watching him learn how to become a father has been the joy of joys as well. Now, do you know where Father's Day got started? It's kind of interesting because it was actually a woman who started it. Her name was Sonora Dodd, and she was sitting in a Mother's Day service at a YMCA in Washington, and, and they were talking about mothers, and For her, she was having a little bit of trouble with it because her mother had passed away when she was very young and it was her father who had sacrificially given everything to raise her and her five siblings. And she thought to herself, you know, we ought to have a Father's Day. And so the first Father's Day actually happened June 19th, 1910 in Spokane, Washington at that YMCA. And they would continue doing that in June. Why June? Uh, It's the month her father had his birthday in. That's the only reason. But it wasn't until 1972 that Father's Day was actually recognized as a national holiday. And I think it's important because dads are important. Let me give you some reasons why dads are important. First of all, because a child's view of God is largely dependent upon the relationship that that child has with their earthly father. Think about how Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, this is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, right? And whether you know it or not, anyone who goes to say our father, automatically their thoughts go back to their earthly father. And this will either enhance or it will taint their view of God. And so as fathers, we have to be careful because we're painting a picture of who God is to our children. Now, the problem is this. Some of us have had good fathers. Yes, some of us have had bad fathers. Some of us have had a combination. And and maybe some of you had fathers who were non-existent. But whatever the situation, when you talk about your heavenly father, you look at it through the lens of your earthly father. And this is, I believe, one of Satan's greatest battle plans is to distort our view of our heavenly father by destroying the relationship between a father and his kid. Now, the second reason that I think dads are so important is because some of you have daughters 
And some of your daughters are going to go out and they're going to marry some men and they need to know what to look for in a man. Do you realize that you're the example for that? Dads, uh, I, I, don't, I know you don't like to think about your daughters being married. You're going to keep them in the house, lock under key, you know, lock and key your whole life. But the reality is some of them are going to go off and get married and you're going to have to give them away. And they need to know what to look for. One dad uh, described it this way in giving his daughter away at the altar. He said, I feel like I'm giving a million dollar Stradivarius violin to a gorilla. That's what he said. And I know some of you that, that have little girls, that's the way you feel. But dads, listen to me. You need to be the type of husband and father that you want for your daughter. You, you want to be the type of person that your daughter wants to marry someday. And you need to set that type of example. The third reason why dads are so important is because some of you have sons and some of your sons are going to go off and marry women and they need to know how to be godly husbands. You're the example for that. Let me give you just a bit of truth. It's much easier to build a boy than to repair a man. Did you hear me? It's much easier to build a boy than to repair a man. Take it from somebody who spends most of his time with a staff at a church we spend, we feel like we spend most of our time repairing damage by broken people and broken relationships. It's easier to build a boy than to repair a man. Be the type of man that you want your son or your sons to be. I hope that you've turned over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 because here we're going to find out that Paul is likening his relationship to the church to a relationship between a child and a mother and a father. And he starts with the mother. And in verses six and seven, this is what he says. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. But then he goes on to liken it to a father in verses 10 through 12. And this is where we're going to focus most of our time today. It says, you yourselves are our witnesses. And so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Now, what Paul's doing here is he's pulling from an example of a father in addressing this very young church. And this isn't the only place he does it. He uses it several times. He does it in Galatians, and he does it in 1 Timothy but what we find here in verses 10 through 12, these three verses actually give us three instructions on how to be a great dad. Kids usually look up to their dad. And one boy was asked to write uh, just a little narrative about his dad. And this is what he wrote. He said, my dad can climb the highest mountains. He can swim the widest seas. He can fly the fastest planes. He can fight the strongest lions. And he says, my dad can do anything. And then he ends it with this. He says, but most of the time he just takes out the garbage. See, I think dad's job is a lot bigger than just taking out the garbage. Being a dad is not for the faint of heart. Being a dad can be very difficult sometimes. As a father, I know it's, it's a struggle because if you really try to boil it down, 
you're lucky if you get 18 years to raise them. And then you spend the rest of your life questioning everything that you did and raising them. It's tough being a father. So I want to give you three observations today about being a great dad from verses 10 through 12. And maybe we can implement these to become better fathers ourselves. The first observation, number one, is that great dads live transparent lives. Great dads live transparent lives. I get this from verse 10. It says, you yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. What Paul is saying here is that you observe with your own eyes this role that we fulfilled as a spiritual authority, as a spiritual father. We lived in such a way before you, you know how to live. See, I've heard that the best preaching is a holy life. The way that you live your life preaches the best message to your children, to your family, to the world around you. Look look at the language that he uses here in this entire chapter. Go back to verse one. It says in verse one, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters. Goes on in verse two to say, you know how badly we've been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. It says in verse five, never once did we try to win you with flattery as you well know. Can I just say they knew because they saw this, because Paul lived a transparent life before them. They they got to see it in him and he lived a transparent life, not only before them, but before God as well. He says that he lived it out in three different ways. Did you catch this? He says he was devout, he was honest, and he was faultless. I want to unpackage some of this for us today because I think this relates to us as fathers. The first one is being devout. Some of your translations might say devoutly. It means to be pure. It means to be holy. It means to be sacred or devoted and committed. We need to be devout in our relationship with our wives and with our kids. If you don't live what you say is important to you at home, It's hard for your kids to understand it when you say it or when you try to teach it to them. But when you live it out at home in front of your kids, you live these transparent lives, you're devout, then your speech is enhanced. It's powerful. It's meaningful. And you're credible with your family. Think about the old movie, The Wizard of Oz. Remember Dorothy and Toto, they go to Oz and they're looking for the great Oz. And when they finally find him, he's in this big, big, massive cathedral. It's just a mask with smoke until Toto goes over and pulls the curtain back and they find that it's just this small, feeble little man. Now, if we're not devout, if we're not pure, if we're not holy, our kids are going to see behind the curtain. They're going to see us for who we truly are. We want to be who we tell them we are. We need to live out what we believe. Now, whether you accept this or not, dads, let me tell you, you are the spiritual leader of your home. I want you to think of it this way. You're either leading your kids toward God and closer to God, or you're leading them away. There is no middle ground. There's no neutral here. You're either pushing them towards God or away from God. I wonder sometimes what our kids would say. If we really went and asked our kids, would they say that we were more into golf than God? On Sundays, were we more into football than fellowship? Or were we more about having fun for ourselves than about the family? Or more about our lawn care than than following the Lord? I wonder what our kids would say. Dads, we must be devout. We must be committed to God and we must be committed to our family. This is one of the reasons why divorce is so damaging to our kids. 
we're not devout in that moment. I remember my dad saying the best thing that you can do for your children is to love their mother. And I believe that's true, to be devout. Guys, we need to be, we need to be devout. And number two, we need to be honest. Honest just means that we are fair or we're just. And especially as little kids, they're, they're so all about being fair, aren't they? They want to make sure that whatever the other kid gets that they get. Uh, I, I read a story about two Harvard sociologists. They, they did a study, and after studying all these kids, they wrote this article. And in the article, they spelled out the factors for preventing delinquency. And the number one factor that they came up with, listen to this, was the fair, firm, and consistent discipline of a father. That was the best way to keep your kids from delinquency. We need to be honest, dads. We need to be devout. We need to be honest. And we need to be, the last one was, was faultless. It just means blameless. Now, notice it didn't say perfect. We're not saying you need to be perfect because only our Father in heaven is perfect. There's not a single Father here that's perfect. We're all, we're all messes. We're just trying to do the best that we can. But we need to be faultless. And faultless means that uh, people are not able to bring about a charge. Now, people will level charges against you, but they're not going to stick. Faultless means without blame. We, we can't be blamed for, this, for the, the destruction that we sometimes leave. Do you realize that tonight, almost 20 million kids are going to go to bed without a father in their home? One in four without a father. We need to be better than that. We can be faultless. I've heard it said that a boy loves his mother, but he'll follow his father. Dads, where are you leading your children? Because whether you know it or not, you're leading them somewhere. Where are you leading your kids? Live a transparent life. Be the example for your kids. So number one, great dads live transparent lives. Number two, great dads speak life-giving words. I get this from verses 11 and 12. It says, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. A couple of these words that stick out to me. Number one is encouraged. We encouraged. Do you realize that kids are easily encouraged? Do you realize kids are easily discouraged? Especially when we always tell them that they're doing the wrong thing or that they're not meeting the expectations that we set for them. We need to be better than that. We need to be encouraging. I know we need to discipline our kids, but we also need to speak words that give life. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. We need to learn how to speak words of life. In all of the New Testament, there's only one verse that tells parents how to directly raise their kids. Do you know that? One verse. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The message says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Paul says, we encouraged you. We gave life-giving words. That's what we used. There was a Gallup poll of uh, over a thousand teenagers. And, and what they found out in this Gallup poll was kind of, kind of scary. They found out that 42% of these teenagers didn't receive any form of words of encouragement or praise within that 24-hour period that they were testing them. And also within that 24-hour period, 44% of them never heard the words, I love you. I learned years ago 
to say I love you every chance I get because of my background in law enforcement now as a pastor and seeing so many people just suddenly leave this world. I've learned that today might be my last chance, so say I love you. The next word was urge or charge or teach or instruct, depending on what translation you have. The original word actually means to insist or require. See, the idea behind this word is to testify to your own experiences. Dads, we need to urge our kids to live lives in a way that God considers it worthy. The way that we do that is we testify to our own experience. We, we teach them by what we've been through. We instruct them. We bring them along. Why? Because we've been there, done that. We have the scars to show for. You've been down that road. You know where the potholes are at. You can help them avoid it. Listen as I read Ephesians chapter 6, 4 again. I just want you to key in on, on how this verse lays out and some of the key words. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Now, that's the negative side. Then it tells us how to do it. It says, rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Dad, sometimes we try to wash our hands of raising the kids. We think it's mom's job and we try to hide from it. The problem with that is when we stand before God, that's going to be on our shoulders. We don't like to hear that. And I know some of us struggle with it because we're like, well, what, what would I teach him? What, what, where would I even start? If you don't know, if you're struggling right now, let me just encourage you. Go to Proverbs. Proverbs is a letter from a father to a son teaching him how to, to live a godly life, how to pick good friends and to be financially responsible and, and to stay morally pure and all these different things. So start with Proverbs. Just go to the first two chapters, read, learn, and then teach that to your kids. If you don't know where to start, that'd be a great place to start. So number one, great dads live transparent lives. Number two, great dads speak life-giving words. And then number three, great dads have an eternal impact. We get this from verse 12. It says, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. I read through that and I, I go, man, talk about hashtag great dad goals, right? This is what we want for our kids. Now, I know all of us, we want good things for our kids. We want them to grow up, to be healthy, to have good schooling and, and get good jobs and to be productive citizens. But see, more importantly than all of that, we want our kids to know Christ and to spend eternity with him and to spend eternity with us. That is the most important thing that we can do for our kids because a hundred years from now, it's not going to matter what team they, they made. It's not going to matter what school they went to exactly whether they were off a couple of points on their grade or, or what kind of accolades they got or what house they had or, or what kind of car they drove. None of that's going to matter. What's going to matter is how I raised my kids, how you raised your kids. Did we raise them in a way that they were able to live a life that God would consider worthy? It says, for he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Dads, if you want to be a great dad, You've got to learn how to have an eternal impact. You've got to understand that that's the focus of everything that we do. Great dads, they live transparent lives. They speak life-giving words and they have eternal impact. They, they have an eternal impact because they know what's important in life. I'm starting to, to understand this even on a greater level now because not only am I a father, but I'm a grandfather now. Twice, I've got two granddaughters and it's changing everything for me. I'm starting to, to ask the question, what do I want to leave behind? 
What do I want not only my kids, but the next generation to know about me? What, what do I want to pass on to them? I want to pass on to them a life well lived, a life that glorified God. I want a life that points them to eternity. Now, I want to stop and end with this today because I'm speaking to a large group of people here at Mountain View Fellowship, and I have to acknowledge that we have some amazing dads. For those of you that are are living your life and you're trying the best that you can to live a godly lifestyle and raise your kids to know Christ, I want to encourage you today, keep it up. Just keep going. If through this message you felt a little convicted today, I don't want you to be demoralized. I don't want you uh, I don't want you to shut down or back away. I want you to dive into that. I want you to embrace that. Whatever the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today, embrace it. Commit yourself to become a better dad this year. Thank you so much to all the dads out there and for doing such a great job. Uh, I want to just pray for each and every one of you. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for our fathers. We thank you for many of us that had great fathers that we could look to, that we could mimic and emulate. And Lord, we thank you that we do have fathers who are living transparent lives, who are speaking life-giving words, and fathers who are having an eternal impact. Lord, thank you. I pray that today that you would put a joy in their heart. Let them know how much we love them and how much we appreciate them. God, I pray for those fathers that I've heard my voice today and maybe they're feeling a little depressed. Maybe they're feeling a little convicted. Would you encourage them and let them know it's never too late to engage with your children, to love them, to speak life-giving words and to point them to Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, I pray that not a single person leaves this message today discouraged or giving up. I pray that they would embrace the plan that you have for them, that we would be great dads because we're following your plan. Lord, I thank you for all these things. I pray that you would bless each person that that is listening in today, that you would encourage them and build them up. And Lord, I pray that all of this is continuing to mold and shape us into the people that you've called us to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.